Welcome to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. I'm already regretting doing that intro. Today, we'll be talking about the fourth episode of Riverdale Season 4, Halloween. I'm Mary Kukowski, and I'm joined, as always, by the spooky and delightful Kirsten McKinnis. Kirsten, how are you feeling for this Halloween-themed episode? Well, I mean, the spookiest thing was your intro there, but you know what? I'm not feeling great, because what the hell did I just watch? On a scale of the call is coming from inside the house to Jughead being locked in a coffin, where was I on the spooky? scale um i don't know that those are necessarily opposite ends of the scale um i i think you were maybe like there's creepers with a gun outside okay all right that works pretty spooky well today we are also joined by our season one and two recap rewatcher hannah elam hannah did you do anything fun for halloween i wore a mini onesie and handed out candy to kids my coworkers' kids they came around the office and the neighborhood kids woo Oh, wait, you do an office trick-or-treating? My my office did this year, so I guess so. Oh, that's yeah. cool. She's in a new office. She doesn't know all of the traditions yet. <laughs> that's true. This is when you get to make traditions. Ooh. Just be like, hey, guys, on the five days before Thanksgiving, we're all going to have an office Thanksgiving party. Oh, yeah. Well, that is Oh, actually... you should do a pajama day. Well, what was cool Ooh, pajama day. is I actually convinced the other guys on my team, except for one, to wear onesies with me. So that was nice. Is your team all guys and you? Yeah. Yeah, same. Okay. <laughs> all right. We've veered off track These of what people care about. software engineers. <laughs> they're just one of the guys. Yeah. Well, anyway, this episode was certainly spooky, I guess. I, I Look, I don't know what they were trying to do. I feel like they tried to do too many things at once. Like, pick a couple and go with it, but instead they picked, like, eight different subplots. Now, cut that comment. That's every episode of Riverdale. We could just <laughs> release that as the podcast every single week until the end of time. Okay, sure, except... Except for like season one. Yeah. I was going to say there was a couple recaps where it's like, man, we can't really break this apart. We have to do everyone together. Yeah. The Jughead birthday party episode from season one. Well, and Wait, you know have what? we released that one yet? Nope. Boone. Working on it. <laughs> Mary, how many past episodes of Cowsie Cast do you have to edit right now? Five. Five? <laughs> yep. Hey, guys, it's going to happen eventually. Like, I'm working on it. Season four is more important. Everybody needs to hear about this Halloween stuff. Well, but also people need consistency. And like, they though? Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, God. I'll get to it. Look, I'm running a marathon. I'm moving. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. So continuing so. with inconsistency, but sort of consistent, we didn't have a Jughead voiceover today. Or Han- I love when Hannah tries to keep us on track. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite part about having <laughs> Hannah on the podcast. <laughs> so that Kirsten and I can just talk and then Hannah gets us back on track. Hannah's like, wait a second, Riverdale, though. <laughs> Yeah. So so here's the thing about the Jughead voiceover. All right. This is, I'm going to admit, the first time that there was technically a Jughead voiceover and I did not write out word for word the entire thing. Because, te- okay, there was a Jughead voiceover. It just didn't happen right at the very, very start of the episode. There was like a scene right, okay. from the previous episode and then they did it. But basically to summarize, there is someone in Riverdale who is filming everybody from across the streets. And then putting them, taking the time to put it on a VHS tape and then send it to everybody. Yeah, so, so someone with the oldest video camera in the universe uh, is just filming outside of people's homes for hours and then putting the tape on their doorstep like, ha ha ha, I've been watching you. This has got everyone in the town afraid. Everyone's worried. Eh. 
But also everyone in the town has a VCR? What? Yeah, that was my first thing. When when Jughead and them like had the the VCR, I was like, how do they have a v- uh, like a VCR so easily accessible? Is there like one town VCR that they're all using? <laughs> Does everyone have one? What time is Riverdale in? Is this a nod? It's in the past? Well, but that's the thing. So Jughead used the word anachronistic and I had to look it up, but it's talking about being from a former time. So they even mentioned that it was from a prior time. And honestly, all that that makes me do is suspect that Jughead is the one filming these videos because he seems like the hipster uh, that would be like, you know, you just can't capture things the same way (laughs) on digital media. Okay, well, here's the thing. I can understand that maybe the Cooper family household would have a VCR because we already know that back in season like one, Hal was watching old home movies, although I'm pretty sure he was watching them on a projector system. So this is also the Jones household. Did the house get bought with everything inside it? No, moved out, but all of their stuff is still there, okay? If you look around, it's the same kitchen table. Yeah, I mean, there was a weird brief time where they had a pool table in there that is no longer there. I don't know what happened to the pool table. They had a weird couch, though. The couch is different, I think. It looks the same now, though, but Betty's room and Polly's room still have all the same stuff in them, which is the weirdest for me because I don't understand. There was a brief period of time where Jughead was living there and Betty was not living there when they first moved in. This is perfect because now we can talk about the blended family. Well, hold on. No, we're going to get to that when we talk about Betty's stuff. I feel like That's... that counts as part of the voiceover, eh, but whatever. I, I have a lot of thoughts about it. But but the thing is, is that they... <sighs> Okay, they, they, they're they doing this creepy movie thing, and this was a whole letdown because we had predicted that last time that the VHS tape had something to do with the farm, and it was by Evelyn. I guess not. So that's- So where's I don't Evelyn? I, I mean, I think Evelyn is probably going to be one of those bad guys who sh- randomly shows up eight episodes oh. from now. Like, oh, I wasn't Like dead. another Penny Pioti? Yeah, she's just gonna, she'll come back eventually, probably. So the Jughead voiceover was basically just explaining the whole VHS tape situation. But the thing that I find most unrealistic is the fact that everyone has a VCR. It's not just like, oh, one family does. Also, Pop got one in front of the diner. Sorry, does he live at the diner? Because they said outside of all of their homes. (laughs) We don't really know anything about Pop. Like, we don't know where he goes when the diner is closed or when his shift is over or on his days off. Also, the diner shouldn't close. It's supposed to be 24-7. I mean, does Riverdale have the people necessary for a 24-hour diner? No. And it's very inconsistent because sometimes they say, oh, Pops, the one place in town that's always open. And sometimes they're like in Pops and they're like, oh, I'm sorry, we're closed. You can't be closed. You're a 24-hour diner. Well, maybe they were just closing because it's spooky Halloween. Also, before we get into this episode, did anyone else watch the, I just noticed there was bonus clip stuff from the previous episode? No. Why would you even ask me that? Because... I'll tell you why. So it was just a bunch of people being interviewed, like all the actors talking about Chad Michael Murray and Rocket Man. And um, there were some really great things I noted from that. Machen was talking about how good Chad looked in his jumpsuit on the rocket. She just kept being like, hey, I'm okay with it. He's not hard to look at, which I identified with very yeah, hard. Yeah, Chad Michael Murray is so hot. I, I, I don't think we say this enough, but Chad Michael Murray is so hot. Okay. Well, we've said it twice now, so not I feel enough. like that's enough. Okay. Hey, did you guys know that Chad Michael Murray is so hot. Oh okay, my god, thank you. I did. Right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks. And then Casey Cott, who plays Kevin, was talking about how he's like, yeah, you know, I think Kevin, he was down with giving away his kidney, but he would have he would have tapped out at the spaceship. I don't think he would have been cool with that. Doubtful. Uh, I just appreciate that. I think he would have been cool with it. 
Agreed. Yeah. So he wouldn't have been going on a spaceship anyways. He would have been going on a school bus to die. Yeah. True. True. The other thing about this episode is that the opening sequence there, I mean, the episode is called Halloween and it takes place on Halloween, but it's also taking a lot of thematic references and styling from the movie Halloween. Oh, wait. First, sorry. Can I, I have a, I'm upset about this. Can I say something? Sure. So last season, season three, we had a plot point directly tied into Halloween that Moose and Kevin. <laughs> We're going to have sex by Halloween. It was a key point in the series. No Halloween episode. This season, nothing. There is no relevance to Halloween whatsoever. Oh, a full episode of Halloween shenanigans. I am so upset about this and everybody needs to know. Yep. And Moose wasn't even in the episode. Um, he but was he was there for a moment. Uh, and also his name is Marmaduke now. Or <laughs> Sorry, Gargoyle you're right. Marmaduke. Boy. Right. Gargoyle Boy. We'll get to it. But the thing is that they they also were clearly doing a lot of Halloween references in terms of like the openings that you saw the credits said or it's, it's not really right. credits but on in, in front of the houses it would say like Riverdale day before Halloween and that's something they take from that movie anyway speaking of Kevin and uh, Marmaduke Kevin gets a whole subplot this episode yes so at the start kind of unrelated to any of the plot points we have all of the gang hanging out in the student lounge which I still don't think student lounges are a thing but whatever Riverdale go off and Reggie comes in being like who wants to TP principal honey's office with me and everyone's like uh Reggie we're seniors now we're so mature we would never do a prank and he's like exactly we're seniors like this is our moment let's do this and Kevin's like I am in because Kevin was given two weeks of detention for going to the bathroom without a hall pass our hall pass is a real thing also yes because they I have never been at a school where you needed a hall pass yeah. My high school didn't need a hall pass for a long time. And then like my last year, maybe two, they upped security and you had to have a hall pass. But if you knew the right teacher, you could just get a permanent hall pass that would just always allow you to go to the bathroom so that you didn't have to ask every day for them to sign a hall pass. You just would have one and then you would hold it up and then leave and just have your hall yeah. pass. For us, it was like we all had planners. And so the teacher would have to write on the day or something and the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a real yeah. thing. This is insane. But yeah, no, I've I've always kind of thought that they were fake, to be honest. But I still think two weeks of detention for being out without a hall pass is extreme. The other thing is, if I got two weeks of detention for being out in the hall, I would think that I would probably get expelled if I got caught from this. Well, wouldn't you want to get expelled if uh, Principal Honey was in charge of you? Oh, also, did not mention last week because I did not recognize him. Principal Honey is played by the actor who played Jack in Dawson's Creek. So they brought back another old, uh, you know, WB alum. Um, to be in Riverdale, uh, to, I guess to replace Chad Michael Murray. And though Jack had like a very nice character in Dawson's Creek, he's not as hot and I'm not okay with the sub. He's not unhot though. I mean, he's not like ugly, but he's not Chad Michael Murray. He's not so hot. Yeah, that's that's fair. So Reggie and Kevin, they get this side plot that's them TPing Mr. Honey's office. And I don't know, they just immediately get caught. Not immediately. They, they were able to do a lot of damage. Kevin's like, we got to get out of here. Like, let's go. And Reggie's like, I'm not done yet. I love vandalizing things after I destroyed my dad's car. (laughs) Yeah, but look, I don't want to, I don't want to spend too much time here. I mean, it's great that they're getting a little side plot because they're characters that are built.
billed as lead cast, but the show doesn't know what to do with. But this was a really uncomfortable side plot in a lot of it ways. It was bad in a lot of ways, and I feel like we need to talk about it. They they both get individually pulled aside by the principal because the principal is the one who catches them Why for some is he reason. There? Why is the principal know. always in weird places? Why can't he just be handing out Halloween candy? What is wrong with this man? But it's kind of like Dolores Umbridge where she gets pranked once and then ups her security and so like she can't get pranked a second time yeah, but and like she he has already magic and an army of Slytherin slaves. Okay. Yeah, but but like in this case, he already got a, a beehive put in his desk, so he probably has like some kind of monitoring system for the office. Anyway, he pulls both of them aside and he starts talking with Kevin and it's like both of these conversations, they sort of start out not terrible, but then really quickly get terrible. So he's like, oh, Kevin, yeah, like uh, you want to go to, you know, NYU. Guess what? That's not going to happen because you directed two different musicals. He says like first with Carrie and then with Heathers. Okay. What happened with Heathers that was like- Nothing. Nothing happened with Heathers. Like everyone in the audience stood up and clapped like- yeah, it was creepy, but... That had nothing to do with Kevin. There was a cult in the school that had nothing to do with Kevin. Well, but Kevin was a I part just, of the I cult. Feel... Sure, but, but like, not that at that doesn't, point. Being in a cult doesn't preclude you from having a life afterwards when you get out, right? I just feel like this principal... Like, there's lots of principals in the world who'd be like, I'm the principal because I'm always here for you. Principal Honey is not the principal. Okay, that was so cringy. <laughs> um, that's, no, that's a thing. Have you never seen that before? I know. I'm very glad that I've never seen it. My elementary school literally had a sign that said like principal spelled like principal. Oh gosh. Yeah. No. (laughs) Honey is not a principal. He. (laughs) Yeah. So like I I will say fair with the Carrie thing, but also they know who did it, and that like there was a serial killer in the town. It didn't really have anything to do with Kevin. Also, it made sense when Honey was like, "Yeah, we can't have a dance because a bunch of people got murdered at the last one." You know what? Fair. I get that. But this just doesn't make any sense. He just has to be as mean as possible to the students but and then kevin just immediately is like it was reggie was all reggie's idea which like he's the son of law enforcement and he's a also a cop it turns out so kind of down on kevin 100 percent sure but didn't betty plan the last somebody did cheryl betty tony somebody planned the prom last year and it's not like they're kicked out of life after high school because they planned a dance where people got murdered Although they probably should be at fault somewhat. Anyway. I mean, that they planned it as a costume ball on purpose to draw out the murderers. Yeah. They should be in some kind of trouble for that. Yeah. Betty probably should at least. But they, yeah. So Honey is like basically saying, oh, you were in a cult and you shouldn't, you're probably lonely, which is why you allow people like Reggie to manipulate you. And then Kevin's like, just rats Reggie out. And he's like, it was Reggie's idea. I didn't even want to be here. And Principal's like, yeah, thank you. That's all I wanted to hear. So, yeah. Then he talks to Reggie and he's just like, oh, you're putting on this prankster persona because your father beats you. Yeah, like zero to 100 in less than half a second. And this is bad on so many levels because I'm pretty sure that as a school staff, he has a responsibility that if he knows one of his students is being abused, he should probably be calling social service. But instead, he's like, I'm going to use this to manipulate this teen. He also says that people are laughing at him and, and instead of laughing with him. And it's just 
not only are is he getting the physical abuse from his father, but now he's getting mental abuse from his his principal. So it's like this is just totally not the way that this situation is supposed to be handled at all. Yeah, and it makes me feel really bad for Reggie. I also have an announcement: new Reggie is no longer my my boyfriend. I found out that Charles Melton has some pretty bad fat phobic tweets, and I can no longer be attracted to him. So just for the record, everybody, fat phobic. Yeah, like really bad. Like, it's not, uh, apparently this is not news, and this happened, like, a year ago that people found out about it, but, uh, yeah, so he's no longer my boyfriend, so I'm, I'm looking Aww. for a new Riverdale boyfriend. Wait, what about Todd Michael okay, Byrne? Well, well, but he's dead! Yeah, he can yeah, still be your point. Riverdale boyfriend. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, so people yeah, have to be, Cheryl would say he could definitely still be your Riverdale Ew, boyfriend. Okay, anyways, so if anyone has suggestions for my new Riverdale boyfriend, you can send them to me with hashtag Riverdaddy. And, uh, don't include Thanks. Archie, because it's not gonna happen. And if you suggest Archie, I'm blocking you. Yeah. Well, my Riverdale boyfriend is still going to be Skeet Ulrich, so. But here's the thing. You're saying your Riverdale boyfriend, but then you're using the actor's name. So it's confusing to me. Are you dating the person or are you dating the character? Are you dating Forsyth Pendleton? I just like to use the actor's names. Have you not heard me call Mary Andrews Molly Ringwald about 50,000 times? I like times? when you call her Molly Andrews. That's my favorite. <laughs> But yeah, he's just, you know, and also the thing is, I don't think anyone is laughing. First off, since when is Reggie like a prankster? He's like a jock, but I feel like he hasn't been a class clown. He's never said anything remotely funny <laughs> the entire show. Like the only prank I can think of is like, did he TP Archie's house during a party or something earlier I on? I don't think like, so. That's the biggest stretch that I can think of for him as a prankster. I have no idea, but they're like, oh, they're laughing at you, not with you. First off, no one's laughing with him because he's not funny and second off definitely no one's laughing at him I, it's just dumb this is dumb not happy about it and then he tells reggie to clean up the office which somehow takes reggie like eight hours i don't i feel like it shouldn't take that long i don't know it was like a pretty big mess he said he was also like make sure it's exactly as it was and like there's the implication that something bad will happen if it's not so i feel like he was probably pretty scared i feel like he probably cried for a little while i didn't like it yeah but he cleans it all up and then something bad still does happen they walk out to their cars together and principal honey has destroyed reggie's car he's tp'd it he He's, cr- he's cracked the window or uh, like busted it in. So not, yeah, not that great. Yeah, and I feel like it's not okay. None of this is okay. If Honey had just like TP'd the car, I would actually have been like, huh, that's kind of funny. But I, I could laugh at that. To actually hurt the car is pretty messed up. Yeah, because he can't get the car back to exactly how it was. <laughs> Without spending a lot of like money. Like, you could the office. You can't just take some time yeah. to clean it up. Yeah, like, what is wrong with this principal? Uh, so like, much. he's calling the cops on Cheryl's party. He's just vandalizing property. He's always at the school. This guy is a major creep. I don't know. Maybe Reggie's 18 already. But if he's a minor, he can't get in that much trouble for TPing his teacher's office. If he told the police that his teacher smashed in his car on purpose, then yeah, he could get the principal at least five. So well, and I'm just the way that this show handles Reggie is so irresponsible and bad. If they're going to discuss a tough topic of a child who is facing abuse in the home, they need to stop with this shenanigans. It's not okay, and it is handled so poorly. At least, I, I, at least they're clearly not trying to say that this is the way it should be handled. Yeah, it's still I don't know. A lot of young people are watching this, and I just don't think it's a good thing for them to be consuming. I don't know. 
Yeah, I agree. Especially because of last episode where they were trying to tell us that it is right to smash in your father's car. I don't know. Or to just go up to your friend who you suspect is being beaten by their dad and be like, I know what you're doing to your son. Oh, cool. So you're just going to put them in more danger. Cool. Like, I just... I... Yeah, it's it's not great. Anyway, so that's that plot point done. So where are we heading to next? Another yeah, creepy let's go guy. To Veronica. Yeah, and, oh, and another creepy a guy. A bunch of creepy guys in the Halloween episode. I'm shocked. So Veronica's working at Pops and I it's like I always forget that she works at Pops. The thing is about her working at Pops, she's always working at Pops when there's like no customers there and there's no one else working there. It's like always doing the night shift or something. I don't know. So yeah, this guy, creepy, dirty looking farmer guy comes in, but he, they say later that he's a trucker. Well, he I talks think. about driving through the night and needing to get home to his family. Okay, gotcha. So that makes more sense. And he comes in and he wants coffee and a home-cooked meal and Veronica says they're closed, even though we've, as we've stated before, they're clearly supposed to be 24 I was hours. thinking about it though and maybe it's something where like they're closing for Halloween, but then the, I think there are other times where they're like, oh, sorry, we're closing, but it, it could just yeah, be that, this that, instance. That at least does have more excuse. Or maybe it's like if, if there's a stretch of time where no one is there for a certain number of hours, then they can close and nobody was there. But also, if you're closed, maybe I'm wrong, but this is like such a trope in all movies and TV shows. If you're an, a business and you're closed, why didn't you lock the door? Yeah, like, the why locked door doesn't get make in? sense. It's, yeah, especially because it's like, not only is the door not locked, but she had her back facing away from the door. So it's like, you know, you're, if you're cleaning up and doing other things, I don't know, I can understand where maybe you forgot to lock the door, but that's like, you own this business, no. you want to take care of it, you're going to lock the door. No. Oh, hell no. If you're a teenager working alone, you're locking that door. Especially in Riverdale. Yeah. People keep getting murdered. Yeah. This is not a safe town all of a sudden. So the creepy dude at the diner, though, is like, oh, Veronica, or whatever, he doesn't say her name, but he's like, oh, look at this picture of my two daughters and my wife, which conveniently doesn't have him in it. And Veronica, I guess she doesn't really find him that creepy, but, like, his face looks so creepy just to begin with. Maybe I shouldn't well, creep profile people, he's, but... He's just not clean. He doesn't look clean, so it's harder to just be like, oh, yeah, like, but everything's those, okay like, with you. But he's got those, like, expressionless eyes, and I don't know. I don't know. I would believe that if someone is fully just driving through the night, yeah. that they maybe wouldn't be at their, like, best. Yeah. And so Veronica is feeding him, and then she's like, oh, do you want some dessert? And she says that they have homemade... I don't pumpkin know, pie. pumpkin pie. But then she walks over and there's a whole case full of tons of desserts. I don't know why she only offered him just the pumpkin pie. And no one's eaten any of them. So it's like, obviously their desserts aren't that good. Maybe they're just display cakes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they finished anyway. up a bunch of fresh homemade desserts and then closed. <laughs> yeah, as you do. Right. Yeah, exactly. Then while she's getting him this pumpkin pie, there's a news report going on. It's so convenient. That's like, there's a dangerous person that escaped from Shady Grove Treatment Center, which shout out to the place where Polly also is. Which, so this yay. is also the first we've heard of this place is this episode, right? They said it at the end of last episode. The Sisters of Quiet Mercy used to be the like asylum place around here but i guess but that was also it seemed like only for kids this is like for adults i guess yeah i guess i don't know anyways for such a small town they have a lot of institutions nearby yeah um they do but yeah so this creepy guy has escaped from shady grove treatment center and his name is michael matthews which i feel like is just trying to shout out to like mike myers from the halloween movie i'm gonna say similar name that's a close but no cigar okay Eh, is it though i mean it's a person in the episode titled halloween the murderer is named matthew 
Michael with an M. Yeah. Like, I guess I'm calling it a closed but no cigar. But I love the fact that he, his like murder name is The Family Man. They call him The Family Man. What's your murder name? Your first, to get your murder name, it's the, uh, the, the first letter of your, wait, hold on. No. (laughs) To get your murder name, it's the, um, it's the, um, this is a great It's your favorite, your favorite shoe brand, and then your last name is your least favorite holiday. Okay, well, that doesn't fit at all. Um, (laughs) I would say that to get your murder name, you first take the thing you love the most, and then this gender. So, um, his is the family man, because he, uh, loves his family, and, uh, man. So, everyone is the something man for their murder name, and so I guess mine is the cat man (laughs) everyone is the something man mary what do you love the most harry potter i don't know the harry potter man survivor (laughs) survivor man that makes so much sense that's actually a pretty decent one yeah the survivor man does not sound like a very scary serial killer but okay i think uh, it does because it implies that you will uh, survive, and then yeah. everyone can always be like, "But did you survive?" <laughs> <laughs> I recently watched the Scream TV series, and there's a lot about talking about the final girl and surviving, and so yeah, you're yeah. gonna survive. Yeah, the final girl. I don't think I'd be the final girl. I think I'd be like the first girl killed. Um, I think it really depends on a, a lot of features. I'm pretty sure I would be the. The first one, like the blonde, always dies at the start of the horror movie. Ooh, that's true. True, right? True. Yeah. Because Veronica's not blonde, she doesn't die. <sighs> wow! If Betty had been there, she would have died. <laughs> Good for her. She's also the only girl, though. Uh, her serial killer name would be the only girl. Uh, the, no, so. her serial killer name would be the Archie Man. <laughs> <laughs> the the Pure Heart Man. <laughs> <laughs> It is creepy that his his whole thing is that he wants his victims to cook him a home-cooked meal, and then he's going to brutally murder them. He needs the energy. Yeah. What? He's, is he expected to kill on an empty stomach? I yeah. can't don't do you anything like... on an empty stomach. Okay, this is such a flawed serial killer thing, because like if this is known, first off, if creepy guy comes in, just poison him or like put something in his food. He's going to eat first. Or, I don't know about you, but if I just ate a giant meal and then some pumpkin pie, I'd be a little sluggish and not at my prime killing facility. Well, the other thing is too. He had a burger. How is he just forcing these people to cook him a home cooked meal? Like, Wait, does he if only someone came up to my door, tours? yeah. If someone came up to my door, was like, "Hey, can I have a home cooked meal?" I'm like, "Uh, probably no, not." Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Close the door. Like, I don't know you. I probably wouldn't have even answered the door. People who work at diners. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So uh, Veronica's semi smart. Okay, look, I've got a couple questions with what she does here. First off, she brings him the entire pie, which is, or like she starts to bring him one. She doesn't like cut him a slice. I thought like, hey, just grab the knife that you would use to cut the pie, but whatever. He gives her a creepy look and she runs away. The way they shoot this though, it looks like she's about to run out the front door. Like just go out the front door. That makes the most well, sense. She's I standing actually, right there. I actually think it does make the most sense to go through the speakeasy because doesn't the speakeasy have a back exit that she could then run out and then he wouldn't know necessarily where she went? I don't think it does have a back exit. See, I feel like she just trapped herself more. She went downstairs. I don't think it has a back exit. Because, like, if she goes at the front door, she doesn't have a vehicle. She was gonna have to call an Uber. What, she's supposed to call an Uber and wait while a murderer is, like, chasing her? Like, I don't think it was a bad move. 
move to go in. What I do think is that it's a bad move that the speakeasy has such poor doors that he's able to smash through them. She should yeah, invest in like true. a big like wooden like fancy door. But she clearly was just trying to hold him off for a second so she could go make her bowl full of alcohol. She had no way of knowing that he was going to use a lighter to see. Like how do you know someone has a lighter especially in this day and age I feel like people don't really have lighters. And so yes pouring alcohol into like someone's eyes is probably going to like slow them down. She had no way of knowing that it was going to be as effective as it was. Also she murdered him. I see I think you're missing you're missing the part though where everyone in Riverdale has a VCR and also everyone in Riverdale as we've seen in this episode carries around a lighter. Yeah they all carry around Zippo lighters not even like a Bic. It's like the most like intense lighter you can have for no reason. None of them smoke. It's gonna it's gotta be the guys the trucker who he brutally murdered already because he would not have been able to have a lighter in a shady so wait, did the trucker center. make him a home-cooked meal? No, I think he just killed him for his stuff. So he broke his MO? Yeah. This is horrible. There are so many holes in this plot. It's so inconsistent. And here's the thing. They don't even do any, like, wrap-up. There's no talking about the fact she has to call the police and people come. Does the guy, we don't know, does he actually live? Because you could burn and still live. I assume that he burned the entire speakeasy down, and now we're done with that plot. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know. It look it makes no sense, and I also feel like as we talked about a couple episodes ago with the the um, bomb strapped to Polly's chest and the fact that Betty almost died and then disarmed a bomb and no one talked about it. Much like this, nobody talks about this the whole time. Well, so. I, I'm just like she killed a man. He's dead. There's no way you survive that. Didn't we do a little check at one point and we found out that every main character had killed somebody? I feel like <laughs> everyone has been involved in the death of somebody, but have we seen Veronica straight up kill a guy? like this before i don't think so but also so anyway she does her whole convoluted thing with the bowl of whiskey or whatever wouldn't there be knives down there wouldn't that have been a more reliably effective way to but you have to get so close with knives that's the hard thing i think well it's not like he had a knife I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of questions. I don't want to think about how he was going to brutally murder her. I do think that the main flaw I'm seeing is that, look, I was making rum punch last night. And when you pour like a handle of alcohol into a bowl, it splashes a lot and it also doesn't pour that fast. And so I don't think it was that realistic that she would be able to pour that thing that fast. She might have had a pourer on the top. Was it in a decanter? No, it was definitely from a bottle. It was just in a bottle. But when the speakeasy's closed, it doesn't make sense to have the pour like, already in so like we should oh, have seen true. her stab that in and be like Brr, you know yeah that's the sound I don't of know. whiskey pouring <laughs> thanks yeah I, i'm not sure i don't know what was happening but anyway and then so he's catches on fire and falls to the ground and then she hits him with a chair and then she runs away and i presume at that point calls the police but i don't know also there appears to be one police officer <laughs> in town and he was busy doing other stuff so maybe she called her dad's uh police guards to come help her out maybe okay let's go to the archie section of the episode our favorite section right guys the purest section (laughs) can we do like a two sentence overview of this no we totally can here's the two sentence overview archie and mad dog get really dumb costumes and throw a halloween party at the center because they think it's going to keep all the kids safe from dodger dodger shows up yeah it's crazy how when you put all of the kids into one spot it makes it really (laughs) easy for the people targeting children to come find them yeah so dodger shows up and this kid named eddie is like oh i gotta go work with dodger and archie's like no eddie 
stay here. Then Dodger is outside in the parking lot causing a ruckus. Archie goes out, still in his superhero costume. By the way, pure heart the powerful. Okay, let's stop down here real fast. I'm not sure if we mentioned this the previous time pure heart the powerful came up because pure heart the powerful did come up before several seasons ago. It might have been season one, might have been season two. I don't know. I think I think it was when Archie pulled Cheryl out of the water, maybe, and somebody was like, Archie, you're Superman, and Jughead was like, no, more like Pure Heart the Powerful, and it was really weird coming from Jughead because it, like, literally looked like it hurt Cole Sprouse to say those words. I bet it did, because they suck. But anyway, I was kind of bummed because he puts on this outfit, and it's just got, like, a heart on the chest with a P on it, and I thought it was going to be like, oh, for the Red Paladin. I don't know why I thought we were going Mm. back to that. Pure Heart the Powerful is, like, a Archie Comics side thing where Archie is a superhero parody kind of first came about during the camp craze in the mid 1960s that outfit is pure camp yeah well and I'm looking at the pictures here of the Archie comics pure the powerful and the the outfit that they give him is pretty spot on to this um the other thing so. too is these outfits come from Katie Keene because they had to do the most shoehorned in Katie Keene reference uh because the show is starting soon also let, I mean we could just talk about the fact that number one just because you are a designer a fashion designer does not mean that you can really quickly make clothes number two she made two costumes on zero notice the day before halloween and then somehow shipped them to riverdale and they fit perfectly and katie keen had no plans on halloween let's just say if anyone's watching katie keen and they do a halloween episode that does not involve her randomly having to make two halloween costumes and ship them to riverdale then i just disagree with this whole universe i just thought the whole point was that katie keen was supposed to be a few years older well she goes to the high school of the performing arts is what so Veronica is this said. confirmation that this katie is the one that was friends with veronica when they made someone drink like a puddle or whatever i think so i don't I think, think that's, so that's where we're at you don't think so how many katie's could uh, uh veronica I mean, be katie friends is with a pretty York? common name yeah, we're not spelled like that well we didn't like see it spelled in the original according to the subtitles <sighs> anyway all right they have this party and they're like trying to help this kid eddie but eddie ends up running outside in sad party there was like 10 kids yeah i don't really know everyone was in costume i guess they were just hanging out i, I don't really know i guess it was Whatever. a party for only the at-risk youth do they even have candy yeah. there I, I don't know if they had candy or not but but anyway, also, Mad Dog's costume is called The Shield, in case anyone cares, and it basically just looks like a Captain America ripoff. Crazy how Captain America uses a shield. Okay. <laughs> mm- also, can we please stop calling it The Center? Because I can't get over this. The subplot in Boy Meets World, where there's a cult, the cult is called yeah, The I Center. Yeah, I was going to say, The Center sounds like some cult shit. So, I don't love this. Stop calling it The Center. Give it a name, or call it The Royal I feel like The Center is what, like, science Ontology places call stuff. So, like, it definitely is culty. What was the boxing club called? El Royale. I was close. Ooh, the El Royale. What's that a reference to? That's a thing. Uh, 007? Casino Royale is yeah. 007. So Eddie runs outside, and also Eddie, who's supposed to be, like, a kid, but looks like like a real-life 18-year-old, so it's confusing, because he doesn't look that much younger than Archie. I don't know. Eddie gets shot, and it's great. In the leg. This has one of my favorite lines. He ends up in the hospital. Archie asks, how are you feeling? Eddie responds, like I just got shot in the leg. Pretty good response. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like, Which, but Kate, but then here's the thing. So FP is there. He's immediately just like, I need an ambulance. He sh- definitely should have been like, shots fired. I need an ambulance. I feel like it would come faster. And then he just walks away to leave Archie to be the one doing first aid when I feel like FP probably would be like better at helping out. Like it, he just like walks away like, oh, someone got shot. No, help this child. Did he actually have like training though for it? I'm sorry. If he know. is the sheriff and he does not have basic first aid, we've got some pretty major friggin' problems. Also, I just, I really have an issue with the fact that FP, when he was the Serpent King, his whole thing was like getting this group of people together and protecting them. And now that he's the sheriff, doesn't seem to be helping these underprivileged youths. And instead, that's what Archie is now doing. And also Jughead doesn't seem to care about his plot lines anymore. I don't know. It mm. is almost like when you get power... You you stop caring as much about what you cared about before. Also, the parents can't do all these things because the kids need those jobs. Don't you remember? This is Riverdale. Oh, Look, okay, I feel like I need to make a new sticky note for the things I'm mad about about Riverdale because currently on the sticky note is still get Mr. Keller a job. Archie keeps talking about how he's helping out at the boxing club, but like I have seen no evidence that he's getting paid yet. I also feel like helping out does not mean working there full time. Yeah, the serpents need adults was on my old sticky note. No, the serpents just need to be established of whether or not they exist because we have completely dropped that ball. Like even Tony and Cheryl who've been in the all of these episodes have not mentioned the serpents once we have seen nary a serpent jacket which is just but serpent like not having the serpents in the show i don't care take them out but that's a terrible marketing decision (laughs) especially around halloween there's just one other major you know plot hole that i've been noticing they have been showing jughead's like scar from where his tattoo got cut off or whatever which is great show that they have not been showing archie to have a grizzly wound across his chest we've seen him shirtless several times i think he had like in once. the first episode maybe yeah in the first he, episode he did no but he it was did like, not again, in the first episode because i got me- a message from a friend who was like crazy how he has no marks well there was there was one ep- i know there was one episode where i went like oh look they have his little scar but it was it's not been there the whole time well, definitely and it should definitely be bigger like it should be still like a giant ugly wound anyways it's fine is there anything else to talk about here yeah the, the other main thing was just like that i do appreciate the fact that this is now the second episode in a row i think where archie has at least had the smarts to be like oh there are some bad guys here then we should call the cops um well it's not like oh, we should handle this ourselves i mean he literally did some vigilante justice uh in the first episode so i don't want to give him too much credit. sure i'm not but but i am saying that at least like the one good thing is the fact that they and I'm, I, I'm not even trying to like give any i don't know commentary on law enforcement but i do feel like for a for a high schooler taking on dodger who i presume is an adult yes when you've got all these kids that you're trying to protect maybe call for some adult help i I do feel like that's a good realistic response it's a step in the right direction yeah it definitely is because i feel like old archie would have just been like oh i should probably go attack like oh they have a gun well i have pure intentions right exactly the only other thing with this is at the end of the episode archie and veronica are hanging out where he tells her that she's a badass veronica's like uh we need a safe place for all these kids which i still i just don't understand why do they need to clean up the streets all of a sudden the 
first three seasons of Riverdale, like, there was some Southside gang violence, but there weren't just, like, tons and tons of kids who were, or at least they never mentioned the tons and tons of kids who can't walk the streets of Riverdale. Riverdale was supposed to be, like, the quote-unquote, like, safe side. Like, I could understand if they were saying, like, oh, on the South side, it's been dangerous, especially since now all these, since the serpents have stopped helping people or whatever, stopped, like, having protection. But anyway, Archie decides he should be a crime fighter and he wants to wear his costume some more or something. With a mask, though. Yeah. Okay, let me go back and look at this Pure Heart the Powerful image. Um, Archie does not appear to have a mask on in any yeah, of these comics. Yeah, because in the actual pictures. Archie comic, I'm pretty sure that he's not a legitimate vigilante. That's like a, it's a side thing. It's not real. And they're making it real. This is, okay, this has got to be the last season of Riverdale, right? I think so. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've heard some mention that they want to do like college stuff, but anyway. Please, no. The, I think, like, the thing is, when you have Riverdale, something that, like, kind of takes itself seriously sometimes, I don't know. I just wish Riverdale would go full parody. It has. Using the name Pure Heart the Powerful is ridiculous, but, like, Pure Heart the Powerful was supposed to be a parody on superheroes. It was not supposed to be taken seriously, and then they actually make Archie want to be him. Oh, it's terrible. Okay. Anyway, let's... Let's talk about the plotline that I have listed here is Cheryl, Tony, DBJ. And for those wondering, DBJ, dead body Jason, he still exists. Yay. Um, not yay. This is disgusting. So apparently, Tony has just been dealing with having dead body Jason around for weeks. What? Tony is the most understanding girlfriend of all time. <sighs> Look. It's one thing if she, I seriously thought when she saw Jason, she was going to be like, option one, we're breaking up. Option two, Cheryl, you need help. Apparently she's done neither of those things. She's like, I'm going to roll with this. <sighs> yeah. So she's being way too supportive. Jason's just like around. He's just like sitting at the kitchen table in his wheelchair while they're carving pumpkins. And Tony's like, all right, listen, babe. You said you'd get rid of him. It's time to bury him. The end. And Cheryl reluctantly agrees. First she's like, but Halloween was our favorite holiday. And Tony's like, yeah, but then you're just going to keep saying that. So like, no. You know what I'm just remembering? The first episode was July 4th. When did we have this three month jump? Where did all of this time go? Between the first and second episode, yeah, they, they started said, like, school. Oh, years. that's right. Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. I was just like, what the heck? We just missed so much time. Yeah. And I think there's been a, bit, a pretty big jump between last episode and this one, like another month or so Ugh. between like when school started and Halloween. They bury Jason, but then this like creepy doll shows up. Uh, it kind of looks like he's like wearing a sailor's outfit. I don't really know. Yeah. It's spooky. Spooky ooky. Cheryl says that it's the ghost of Jason. <sighs> okay. We'll, we'll get to this whole creepy doll thing in a little bit but tony goes to throw the doll away then tony and cheryl randomly dress up as harley quinn and poison ivy and can i say that cheryl's poison ivy costume is perfect and tony's harley quinn costume is also perfect iconic lesbian couple costume yeah they're really great costumes but here's the thing i kind of feel like the show is getting to a point where they're like oh let's just put cheryl and tony in awesome outfits all the time but like don't give any reason into like they're just they have no plans they're not trick-or-treating they're not they're probably handing out they candy. probably were going to hand out candy and then it got sidetracked by the seance I, I guess i don't know i just I, I just like wow you made these really elaborate costumes to stay in i don't know that's what cheryl does everything to that level you think cheryl's gonna just not be extra i guess the one thing i think could have been better surprisingly was the wig the wig wasn't the best 
Oh, um, it wasn't the best. Tony's wig was not the best, but I gotta say, on my list of notable Riverdale wigs, I do think it's definitely better than the Clifford Blossom wig, I, the wait, Betty I didn't wig. Even realize she was wearing a wig. I thought she just dyed her hair with some crappy hairspray. Really? I, I I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be a wig. I think oh, it's I mean, a wig. It was like half of it was red. Okay, well, on yeah, this list, I assumed that she was using the spray in L'Oreal stuff, and that it was like a sponsored part. Okay, on this Riverdale wigs list, we need to update it. So, what is the best wig and what is the worst wig out of all the Riverdale wigs because I feel like this might be the best I'm not participating because you guys don't listen to me anyways what (laughs) What? because you don't believe it's a wig no because we disagree on which wigs are the best because you guys are always like so rude about Betty's even though it's clearly better than Veronica's blonde one no no I agree that Betty's so on the worst list I still think the worst wig is Veronica's wig what's the girl's name that she plays Monica Posh Yeah. No, Harmonica Posh. No, I'm joking. Harmonica Posh. No, it's right. Monica. So that's that's the worst wig. Veronica's blonde wig is terrible. Also, on this wig list, I have AJ Kappa as Mary Andrews. I have no idea what this is referencing. Oh, yeah. No, it's clearly a wig. You're right. Hannah's showing a picture. Yeah, I get, that wig line is busted. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So where is that on this that's list? That's probably though? the best um, one. No, it's after Betty still because that wig line. If she didn't have it, that horrible rounded wig line, I would put it first. But but it's done so badly. I'm sorry. Betty's is still better. But Betty's what? Has bangs, I guess? Yeah. So you don't see like how, like it's still a bad wig, but it's not like so, so bad. Like that rounded friggin' hairline looks busted. Yeah, I guess That Betty's doesn't is... look that bad. <laughs> From that angle. I think it's mostly when Betty's head turns to the side and you see like the giant bump in the back where the hair is. That was the part that was annoying I think it's me. also that just the dark hair color isn't the greatest for her. But yeah, I think it's, it's a pretty good wig. Yeah, I guess. And then the Clifford Blossom wig is worse oh yeah that one's bad and veronica's is the worst okay good to know and we now have this list updated very important things. we gotta keep mary's post-it notes updated you, they hear the babies crying on the baby monitor and they're so annoyed by these babies crying because it's ruining their makeout session if you're really annoyed by these babies give the babies back to their family technically they are still supporting family. these babies no give them to Cheryl's the aunt yeah no but like just give them to Alice who has like proven track record of raising children and only one of them ended up in a cult and the other one was well I guess the other one technically wasn't a murder wasn't the other one wasn't raised by her yeah and then Betty's fine she's a detective she's cool Nana says that the baby monitor is with Cheryl's brother in the chapel and they go down to the chapel and that's where the doll is and Tony's like wait a second and I threw him away. What? Also, I'd much rather deal with a creepy doll than an actual dead body. That, I'm just saying I, that. I guess. I guess. You guess. But if the dead body is like just literally a dead body and the doll is alive and could murder me, that'd be one thing. I, the doll can't murder anyone. And also, how is Jason's body not like oozing fluids and smelling really bad? Or how are they able to just take him and bury him? Just the two girls. Because like, Shorty was like, I'll get the shovels. So they were burying well, they him, pushed him themselves. I'm assuming they pushed him like with the wheelchair and then just like dumped him in the hole. <laughs> okay. It's still a pretty big hole. I mean, have you seen the movie Holes? It takes a long time to dig those. <laughs> I mean, I think it takes like eight hours. Yeah, but they had to dig a hole that was five feet in all directions in a perfect circle and then five feet deep. They only, they didn't have to do it like as perfect of a circle. Also, when we watched that movie, we were really into holes and we dug a hole in our backyard like that, but it was like probably like five feet in a circle and then like two feet deep because it's really hard to dig a hole and like in red mud, also, which is like, like red clay, which is what we were using. power lines and stuff underground. You shouldn't just dig holes. <laughs> 
It was fine. Like that could eventually, be dangerous. We took it in our neighbor's yard and eventually they uh they put a well with our neighbors. It wasn't like we just dug it in their yard. But eventually they they put a uh tennis court in their backyard and so I think it got covered up. <laughs> Rest anyway, in peace. That hole was good times though. Yeah. R.I.P. And we used to go out there and sing the song and dig the holes. We really liked holes. Okay. You could say we were holy. Hi yo. Uh so <laughs> all of that out. You don't want people knowing that about you. That's so embarrassing. <laughs> That I dug a hole? I just like, everybody liked holes, but it sounds like you liked it way too much. We were kids. What kind of activity is Okay, whatever. Our activity was digging a hole. So because of this doll that's haunting them, they decide to have a seance and they use a Ouija board and they're starting to move it around and it says that there's a spirit there and the name is Jay and Tony freaks out saying, hey, why are you moving the board? Okay, for me, here's the thing. If you're going to do a Ouija board and you're not going to trust the people around you not to move it, don't do it because this is not something that you want to mess with anyways. So like you're messing with it, one, and then two, you're not even trusting the people that you're doing it with. Mostly my notes, just this entire plot line say Tony puts up with way too much. So Nana Rose breaks some big news here. She's like, hey, this is not the ghost of Jason. It's Julian. And Cheryl apparently had a triplet and she absorbed the third one. And then and then Nana Rose is like, you ate him or something. It's like, here's the thing. Okay. Having children absorb their triplet or twin is a thing. Nana Rose makes it sound like really creepy well, and-, and it's not really that same so way. we had made a few predictions last week and you had predicted that Cheryl was really a triplet and I had predicted that it was the father and we got a tweet I think from Noah saying well one of you is proven right as the knowingest know-it-all and I'm gonna say no neither of us were right because absorbing your twin in the womb or triplet in the womb does not mean you were actually a triplet I'm sorry it does not count none of us were yeah. right yeah because the way the Anna Rose makes it sound is that like Penelope knew that she was having triplets yeah well no it's th- it's called disappearing twin syndrome and sometimes it happens where you know but like yeah it was it they just she just made it sound a lot more gruesome though. so like if they had said that like there were three babies born and one of them like tragically like died as an infant yes i would be like mary was 100 percent right that counts as being a triplet i still feel like i was closer you were, than you, you were. were closer but neither of us was right i don't think either of us are the knowingest know it all so here's the other thing though the way she phrased it was that there were three of them and then only two of them were born which makes it seem like as you said it would have happened much later and then that does seem more gruesome but yeah that just doesn't seem as probable it doesn't add up she said that penelope got this doll and reared the doll along with the two of them until you were no longer infants and then julian was retired to the attic so penelope was a little bit off in that thinking i guess i don't know i mean i don't know maybe some people do that we also know that she's just a little bit off overall with her you know botany and uh murdering uh plotting so yeah yes not the best person So Tony thinks that Cheryl and Nana are working together just to like fool her into getting dead body Jason back into the house. Cheryl agrees to bury the doll in exchange for getting Jason back in the house, which is weird. So they dig up Jason and Tony is acting like this is just, it's a little bit annoying that Cheryl wants her dead body brother in the house with us, whereas really this is horrifying. And then, so the doll shows up again anyway, and Cheryl is like, I legitimately don't know anything about this. And and then Cheryl admits. She's like, I was gaslighting you. Clearly, Cheryl was actually, like, moving the Ouija board around and, like, whatever. The thing is, it sounds like Cheryl didn't believe Nana Rose about the whole twin thing. She thought Nana Rose was just being crazy or, like, playing along with her or something. So the part that I don't get 
get is the fact that if Cheryl was gaslighting, does that mean that Cheryl brought the doll down from the attic and like was just pretending that it was Jason's, but she didn't actually know the history? Okay, so I guess that either way, it seems like this doll is somewhat alive because they buried it and the doll still somehow came back to life. It's more so alive than Jason is. Yeah, Tony, get out of there. You don't need this. So something I noticed in the last scene was that Nana Rose actually is back in her wheelchair and she does have her red streak still. Okay, well, at least there's that. So we got a tweet from uh, Thomas Altman that says, what will it take for Tony to give up on the relationship with Cheryl at this point? I don't think she's ever giving up. Yeah. I think once you're in a cult together... Yeah, I guess it really bothers And Cheryl did save Tony from getting her kidney removed. The or other whatever. thing, too, is just like the moment she didn't immediately leave when she saw Dead Body Jason, it was game over. I just don't know if Cheryl buys the whole triplet thing yet. I mean, I just hope that we never hear about it again because it's irrelevant. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to Betty and some extent Charles. So if that is his real name, my biggest beef. With all of Riverdale right now, more than the serpents disappearing, more than all the jobs that the kids have, more than anything, is the fact that we had two and a half seasons, but mostly the first two seasons of setup of the whole thing with Alice and FP having a kid and then thinking that it was whatever the creepy boy, what's his name? Chick. Thinking it was Chick and then it wasn't Chick and blah, blah, blah. And there's this like great scene at the end of season two after Chick is found out to be creepy, but they still it's before they find out that he's not their son. So it's when she thinks he's her son and Alice runs to FP and tells him that they or maybe maybe it's after they find out that chick is not or something whatever basically alice runs to fp and tells him that she had their kid and it's this like really emotional moment and we haven't had anything like that at all surrounding charles which is really annoying to me i just wanted one moment one moment where we could have had betty or jughead or charles or alice or fp like i needed a moment where all of them could have been together establishing like hey we're a family this is crazy like i needed to see the point when they found out and we don't get any of that we are robbed of all of that and it's a bummer it is pretty messed up yeah they just jumped to the fact that fp and alice are living together and full-on flirting in front of betty and it's just kind of uncomfortable and i don't it's just seems strange i i do love the part where um they're all just like acting all normal and i guess alice is back to work as a reporter absolutely no mention of the fact that she was in the farm or not because in like in the second season right at the beginning in like episode one or two when they had that moment where we saw Alice and FP in bed and we're like, oh my gosh, wow, they're a couple. And and, and that's the thing, like in season two, we knew, the audience knew that Alice and FP were a couple because we saw them in bed once or twice and we saw Alice's giant snake tattoo on her leg. And then we had a couple scenes where Betty and Jughead would be together and they'd be like, mom, dad, why are you here together? And so they never like stated that they were a couple and then jumped to their living together. We skipped the whole part where they, even if we knew that they had a kid, like this is... They're now together. Also, FP in season three had been talking to Alice about how she had like, oh, it's so good of you that you've joined the farm. Like Edgar has been helping you so much. But we're to believe that Alice wasn't ever actually in the farm, that she was under the cover the whole time. I just, There's just I so many don't flaws. buy it. It just doesn't yeah, I don't buy make it any sense to me. And I, I just don't think the show should have done this. I think the show should have just pretended that Alice was, you know, just the show should have said that Alice was actually in the farm for a little while. The smart people get taken 
taken into cults all the time. It happens. Cults appeal to, you know, the parts of yourself that want to feel included, that want to be part of something. And that's something that, like, anyone can fall prey to if they're in the right circumstances in their life, right? At the point when Alice did find the farm, it, like, to me, fully would make sense for her to have been in that vulnerable state to get, you know, involved with something that maybe she wouldn't normally get involved with. And so it just cheapens the entire plot further by making it like, oh, haha, never mind. She was, you know, always a, an undercover agent. Yeah, it, it's it's frustrating. Also, I like the part where Alice and Appear are like, yay, we're all a big happy family back together. And Betty and Jellybean just look at each other and are like, um, except for the fact that Jughead's in prep school far away and Polly's in a facility being deprogrammed. But yeah, except for that, yeah, we're totally all together and great. No mention of Gladys and the fact that she exists. Um, Whatever. That's fine. And also the twins, who no one seems to care about in this family. Yeah, so it's also just, like, so weird that they're just all of a sudden, like, one happy family, all living in the house together. So FP and Alice are just back together as if none of the conflict that had happened between them exists. Um, As if she didn't ghost him to go, like, join a farm and possibly be dating Edgar Evernever. And the fact that he was like, no, I'm not gonna date you because I'm gonna try to really make things with Gladys work. So, yeah, we're done. Nope. Now they're just back together. It's all magical here in Riverdale land. So, Betty and Jellybean are kind of bonding, I I guess. Um, yeah. Anyways, Jellybean's there also. This is the weird blended family situation and I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's creepy when the parents are together and the kids are together. It was creepy in Gossip Girl. It was creepy when it happened in Riverdale prior. It's creepy now. I do like how much in the same way that the show doesn't outright say it, but like Jughead and Kevin don't like each other. Jellybean and Betty definitely don't like each other either. They're just like so awkward around each other at all times. So um, Jellybean, I guess, is dressed up like Rosie the Riveter. I think that was who she was supposed to be. And she's like, Betty, you don't even have a costume. And Betty says that she's Laurie Strode, which to be fair, if you look up pictures of the character Laurie, Laurie Strode from Halloween, she does look pretty, pretty close to her. That was a good, good costume. Who is Jamie Lee Curtis's character in Halloween? Main girl. We love Jamie Lee Curtis, a queen. A scream queen, some may say. That was really good. I feel like dressing up like the victim girl from a horror film is like not the best thing to wear on Halloween, but okay. Especially when you're already like so triggered by so many of the costumes. Also, so many people in this town dressed up as the Gargoyle King on the Black Hood. Together. Which I feel like is something. Yeah. Like, oh, cute couple's costume, two murderers, which I feel like would be a thing in like 10 years that it would be like a thing. I feel like it's way too close to the murders for people to be dressing up like that. I don't think this is ever okay. I don't think you should ever dress up in a town like serial killers who murdered people in that town. Much less, I forgot to mention this earlier, but yeah, they there were kids who went to school dressed up like like the um, Gargoyle King and Black Hood. Also, Betty is the only one, only person who saw the Gargoyle King and the Black Hood together. So I don't know why this is a costume that multiple people are wearing. And I don't know whose parents would let little kids dress up like literally a murderer. Also to like, it, they made it seem like the kids, at least who went to Betty's house and were trick-or-treating didn't know it didn't seem like they were being like vindictive like oh let's purposely go to the house where the black hood was 
I don't know. Anyway, it's not cool. This is so wrong in so many ways and it's very unrealistic. Just for the record, I also don't think it's like cool to just dress up as like a real serial killer in general. Like regardless. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah but like regardless of if you're in the area where it happened, like I just think it's probably never okay. Yeah, I, I just I don't think that this is a thing that would realistically happen. It w- no, I think it would happen from like insensitive shenanigans kids, but I don't think it would happen this close to the actual murders. I think it would happen again like in 10, 15 years when people are like, oh, was the gargoyle king real? <laughs> it's hard to know how much people know about the actual like true information and things behind the story because I know that with Moose, right, there is a lot of stuff about the guy or his dad pretending to be the gargoyle king, but it's, do people actually know everything that went on behind and and what was going on once Penelope was arrested or whatever happened to her? I feel like it should have been, there should have been like some sort of full expose. Yeah. Well, Alice would have been the one doing it. And at that point, she was in the farm, right? So I don't uh, know if anyone I did. I don't know. I, I think it's a big enough story that someone would have come up from the city. Obviously, people know at least something because of the Black Hood's grave being desecrated. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, that's true. Also, if Betty is so creeped out and on edge by Halloween right now, maybe don't sit around reading Dracula and watching horror films, but that's just And me. handing out candy. Like, you don't need to be the one who's giving out the candy. You know, it's, it's okay. Jelly yeah, Bean can do it. You definitely don't need to. Well, but Alice was reading the news and FP was dealing with crime. Well, okay, then just don't shut your door. Turn the light off. You don't need to hand out candy. Also, plot point, they live on Elm Street, which is another horror film, Nightmare on Elm Street kind of tie-in. Well, they men- they've mentioned that before. That because they were like talking about the murder house on Elm Street when the Black Hood got yeah, arrested. And I, just I just couldn't thought, believe that. I just that. thought it was, yeah, I mean, it was just interesting. But as far as we know, the only murder that actually happened in that house was when they helped th- that guy who was coming at Chick. So like, is it really a murder house? I don't know. It was a house of murder. And do people in. know about that murder? I don't think so. Uh, I guess everyone in the farm does. I don't know. <laughs> Jughead is supposed to come for Halloween and hang out with Betty, but he doesn't show up, which we'll get to later. Betty is sitting on the couch, blah, blah, blah. She gets a, oh, Rosie the Riveter, JB, goes upstairs to play Minecraft. So she definitely seems like a Minecraft kid. Uh, is Minecraft still a thing? Yes. Uh, like, yeah, I, I feel like so. it's past it's still pretty its big. moment. I don't know. It's, it's still could be It's, like, pretty kids. big with, like, younger people. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So she goes upstairs to do that. Betty gets a phone call, and it's just heavy breathing, which I definitely think is do you think it's better or worse than hearing the lollipop noise i forgot what the lollipop noise is like when betty used to get calls from the black hood it would be the lollipop theme song or the Uh, lollipop uh, ringtone anyway no i thought that was just her ringtone Um, it wasn't actual um i will it only ever made that ringtone when she was getting calls from him so in riverdale another list of things from like before riverdale time before current time period not only do they have a landline but they have a corded phone in their house so just point that out there so betty gets another call and he says that he's the Black Hood and it sounds much like the Black Hood asks if she has checked on the children lately so they like seem more like prank calls because they're all these famous lines from like horror horror movies you know have you checked on the children um, then Betty hears a loud thud upstairs, runs upstairs, jelly beans on the ground with like a pool of blood around her neck. And then she just like laughs and she just pranked her. Ha ha, Betty, you got pranked. It's like, well, the actual prank's on you, jelly bean, because now you have to clean it up. Also, that's just so rude. How is that? How is that funny or okay? It's not. Like I said, they clearly don't Well, like and I other. think it's also just like a lot of that comes from like JB has not been in Riverdale. She was with her mom doing crime and now she just like is abandoned in this like normal town and suddenly has to fit into this blended family like i can see why jelly beans having a hard time yeah so then um they get another phone call and betty's clearly on edge she tells her to stay in her room and lock the door 
So Betty's quote unquote father calls again and he's like, oh, the call is coming from inside the house. Another horror film. And then, yeah, then the doorbell rings and Betty grabs a poker from the fireplace and hey, it's Charles. Charles is bringing some pizza. Also, Betty has been hanging out with Charles since the summer or all summer and now trying to find her mom and do with all this farm stuff. But then all of a sudden at the end of last episode and the beginning of this episode, we're randomly suspicious of Charles. Like, oh, do we trust Charles? Oh, I don't know. I'm like, you've been hanging out with him nonstop. Part of it was because of the way he treated the situation after Alice stopped responding. He didn't treat it as seriously, I think. So she was mad about that. Charles is like, oh, I'll help you trace the call. Betty says, yeah, that she doesn't trust Charles as much because, like you said, she blames Charles for letting her mom walk into the lion's den. Charles says Alice wanted to help Polly and get a story, which we've discussed still makes no sense about the whole farm thing in Alice. So Charles just wants to be a part of a family. It's cute. They get another phone call. Hey, look, this is how listening in on phone calls with the FBI should actually work. Not just holding your cell phone down by your side. They have a whole setup yeah, but it's with also like headphones. weird that he has the whole setup in his car. Uh, yeah, I don't know. If he had the whole setup in his car, why didn't we use this before? I don't know. Maybe he bought it after he realized that this might be coming no, in. No, I don't think that you, as an FBI agent, <laughs> you'd buy that yourself. Well, whatever. Got it. You know, acquired it. Oh, she talks about a story where they used to go Halloween trick-or-treating together and how the dad didn't want her to eat apples in case there were razor plates and she says funny all things considered and then they they were able to trace the call and she hangs up on the person yeah so they trace the call and they find out that it's coming from shady grove treatment center so then they decide to call polly and tells her that it's edgar on the phone which if polly is still brainwashed which is also something we weren't sure about last episode but yes she's definitely still brainwashed i feel like a treatment facility would not just let her talk to her cult leader and also because hopefully they would know who edgar was like i feel like if you're if you're in a treatment facility because you were in a cult they would know who edgar is they would not just like let her talk to edgar i think in general like deprogramming would be like more like a one-on-one thing with like someone who specifically specializes in that i don't think that it would actually be like in a mental health facility because i don't think the average like mental health professional program would be equipped to deal with that i also feel like they don't call it deprogramming anymore i was listening to a podcast recently that was talking about this and i can't remember what they called it but i feel like they've come up with a different like name for it that's a little bit more sensitive well yeah i was gonna say i think betty's just calling it deprogramming i don't think that's like what the actual that used to be what it was called though but like there's definitely a new name for it because i was listening it's a podcast about multi-level marketing and a lot of people who leave that also need to be deprogrammed but i just feel like okay you have a person who goes to this facility because they were in a cult and they say yeah they were in the farm led by edgar evanever then they get a call that says hey who is this and it's someone saying this is edgar number one if they they should know who edgar is and they should probably know he's dead number two they shouldn't let they just be like oh sure okay edgar here talk to polly I feel like Polly yeah. shouldn't be allowed to get phone calls right now. That's what I was thinking, too, is that why would she even be able to have contact with the outside world? I don't know. Also, poor Polly. She's been, you know, like, you kind of can't blame her for being so susceptible to this whole farm thing because, like, she had a hard life, you know? She got pregnant and her father shipped her off to a crazy place. Well, she was already going to go join the cult at that point, though. Yeah, but I don't think she knew that it was a cult. I don't think the show knew that it was a cult. I, I don't know if, if Polly was actually the one making the calls, though. It's really hard 
hard to tell. I mean, because if it's coming just from the treatment facility, there could just be another insane person who's trying to impersonate. I mean, it's not like the yeah. person gave out personal information that wouldn't have been. Like, I, I think the story about the black right. hood was public. So I don't think that. So so we didn't we didn't really mention that part. But yeah, like basically they're saying that Polly, B- Betty and Charles believe that Polly is prank calling them, which I don't know how she would do that. Like, how does she have a voice distorter? I like, also just feel like what we're supposed to get from the end of the episode with Charles, um, like listening in on Jughead and Betty's phone conversation, it probably wasn't from the treatment center where the calls were coming. Like, I think where yeah. Charles was supposed to have like actually played a part in the call. Yeah. Well, Betty just sort of rants at Polly and is like, you know, no, this is not Edgar. It's your sister. And then she disconnects the call. So I think Betty is supposed to believe that Polly was the prank caller, but clearly Polly is not the one prank calling them. Charles says Betty would be a good candidate for junior FBI training program because she handled herself well at the motel with the farm. I'm sorry, Betty should not have ever had to go to the motel like by herself when there were adults around. And also she's not she's not just qualified to maybe get into the junior FBI training program. Like just go ahead and enlist her in the FBI. She's done way more than you have. <laughs> she disarmed a bomb and then she went and stopped a cult. Like what has Charles done? I also just feel like um there should not be a junior FBI training program in high school. I'm pretty sure to join the FBI you have to have a degree first. Yeah. I think the one thing okay. that she didn't well, do well though is giving in to the cult leader's desires. Like I don't think that you're supposed to do that. She goes off on her own and doesn't follow procedure. She would not make a good FBI agent. Yeah. You have to be able to follow orders. So we'll circle back to the rest of the Charles stuff at the end of the episode because it ties in with Jughead as well. Okay, so Jughead, he's a prep school and Moose wanted to join the army. Yeah, Mo- Moose, he finds a pamphlet on Moose's desk because Moose wants to join the army. The army doesn't Moose care who that he's you are or where you've been from. Which, you know what, Moose, you've had a hard life also. Do whatever you want. Um, no, don't drop out of high school to join the army. Finish high school. I mean, well, I was that okay? I guess I guess I interpreted it to be like he was going to go to military school. But okay, if if he if he wants to join the army, I don't know. I, I guess it's just like Moose at the very least should probably not stay at the school where everyone is picking on him. Oh yeah, no, he should definitely not be at this horrible boarding school. But he should not be dropping out of school to join the army. And guess what? I don't think military school would be would be better for him. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't really know what the solution for Moose is. So Jughead goes to class. And again, this school seems so terrible. I'm not sure why Jughead likes it here. I'm assuming that he actually is getting some kind of a good education, but we've only seen him in these like weird little seminars with five or six people doing writing stuff. So I'm not sure. So they're talking about what their favorite horror book, horror writers are. Jughead likes Lovecraft, which I didn't really see him as a squid monster fan, but okay. I mean, um, I could see it because it's weird. (laughs) This is weird. Yeah. um, Brett likes Edgar Allan Poe. Basic. Whatever. He's so basic. Yeah, and he talks about the Cask of Amontillado, which I've read. Have you read the either of you? I think I had to read it in high school, but I don't yeah. remember. It's, it's just like a short too much story. about it. It's just a short story, but basically, yeah, it involves like a dude being lo- uh, sort of not buried alive, but trapped alive behind this. Um, brick wall down in a wine cellar some random chick in the class i don't remember her name starts bringing up this no donna's the like brown hair girl this was a different person but anyway she brings up the stonewall four which is like an urban legend here and then brett basically threatens to vanish jughead in front of the teacher he just like says that and jughead asks the teacher after class who the stonewall four are it's very hermione asking the teachers about the chamber of secrets and the teacher's like oh yeah i mean it's just it's just a myth that uh, you know four students have disappeared over the last 30 years but really they just dropped out of school they didn't like actually disappear so Jughead is reading 
researching the Stonewall 4 and Donna drugs him. It's kind of weird. It's so obvious. Why would she, like, like just don't take drinks from people. Yeah, never. If you've never I seen, mean, Jughead, if you, you didn't see really the drink get made, don't take the drink. Yeah, but the other thing is he had no reason to distrust Donna because she was trying to help him out before with Brett. I, I don't know. I can see. I have that mindset, that especially as females. You're not going to take a drink that someone else has made for you. But it's, it's hard when this is someone that you could think potentially could be your friend. Yeah, I just feel like Jughead has been through enough that he shouldn't trust anyone. Especially in this town. I, I don't really know. I, I cannot peg Don had down because like she was dating Moose, I guess, or at least hooking up with Moose. And so she seemed like chill. And she, yeah, like you said, she gave him advice on like how to handle Brett. But I guess she's also kind of one of Brett's minions. I don't know. It's hard to tell. So the four kids from Jughead's classes are there and they're like, hey, hey, say hello to the Stonewall 4 for us. And then Jughead wakes up, but he has a lighter because everyone does, which I kind of think is like so okay real quick time for fan fiction corner in all of riverdale fan fiction there's like this thing where jughead smokes and i feel like that's more of just like an aesthetic thing that they choose along with like him being in the biker gang but that's not really a thing that's been in the show at all but that's the only reason i could assume that the show has him having a lighter is that maybe that's like an unspoken thing i don't know thoughts i don't know either way he has a lighter which is convenient because he's trapped in a yeah, coffin another person who just randomly has a lighter the other situation is I feel like when you're in a buried alive scenario you want to try and keep as much oxygen as possible so maybe don't keep burning the lighter for so long and just burning up the oxygen like he should have been dead yeah so the other thing that I found interesting in this is that I'm pretty sure this is the scene where Jughead is buried alive that we get from the preview but they really matched it up with the them looking for Jughead so they made it seem like oh my gosh he's actually going to be buried alive when they're looking for him in the woods and everything. So now it's hard to know what's going to happen when that when that actually comes to fruition. But you know, we just get these this scene this episode is very strange because it just keeps flashing back and forth between all these plot points that we've talked about. I mean, some of them, I guess the largest two were Archie and Betty, but I mean the other couples were just flash in and out. And so you get some of these things with Jughead just being buried alive and I guess no one's really worried about him not having his phone or not responding to text messages, but it's just very strange because it's a very short thing but very also creepy and I don't understand why he still wants to stay at the school at the end of this. I don't know. Just leave. Jughead, leave. Yeah, he should leave. Tony should leave. Everybody should leave their (laughs) situations. It's beginning to look a lot like leaving. Jughead tries to be cool at first but he panics a little, starts banging on the coffin. So he stays there the whole time and then day after Halloween. This is the weird part. Some dirt starts falling on Jughead. So it was a dream. He was Was dreaming. Yes, because he wakes up and then the dirt's all gone. Oh, okay. So the coffin opens and the teacher is there getting him out and he's just like, oh, yep, it's tradition. Ha ha. Like this again child abuse get out of there i don't know why he likes this i'm done with this plot line and the already teacher had the phone but still claimed to not have to do anything to do with the prank and so i just don't believe that at all i was assuming that his phone was like nearby and the teacher picked it up and was like here's your phone i don't think the teacher like buried him i don't 
think he, the teacher was in on it, but the teacher definitely is just kind of like, oh, these things happen and it's probably happened before. Like there's absolutely no punishment to the kids who straight up admit in front of the teacher that they did it. So it's kind of weird, whatever. Jughead's fine with it. He Jughead's a classic, like can't let them see that they're getting to me kind of person. But then he goes back into his dorm room and finds out that Moose has vanished. That Moose is fully gone. All of his stuff is gone. Yep, yep. And so Betty and Jughead are talking about it later. I assume that Jughead told Betty about the whole being buried alive thing. Again, they're so nonchalant about it. They're just like, oh, well, that sounds He wasn't truly buried. He was just in in the the coffin. He was just locked in the coffin. Yeah, he was just locked in the coffin. Which is still terrible and not a good at all. Yeah, there was probably some ventilation so that he Well, there had to have been. I'm pretty sure he would have been like in pretty rough shape if there was no ventilation. Yeah. So uh, Jughead thinks the kids tormented Moose into leaving. I don't really know. Whatever. And then we see that Charles, like we had mentioned before, is not exactly who he says he was. At least to some extent, he has bugged Betty's phone line and is listening in on her conversation with Jughead because they both start talking about like, oh, do we trust Charles? And they're like, yeah, I think he's cool, basically. So how do you feel about the fact that we can't have nice things and this (laughs) is now the second Charles who Um, is not a good guy? I feel very annoyed. I think it's fine to do this plotline once with Chick. I can only hope that Charles is like not evil, but just like truly is hope like trying to figure out if they like him and no. really just wants to be a part of the family. I'm now I'm now convinced he's the one doing the tapes. I, I think Charles is probably doing the tapes and I also think that Charles because here's the thing about the tapes. The tapes happened over the course of several weeks. Once you find out that people are getting recordings across their street, go look outside. Just stake out like across from everybody's house somehow or like a bunch of houses and find these tapes. Like this is not, this wouldn't be the hardest thing to track down. You have, you're the FBI. You have a lot of resources at your disposal. Also when they, I definitely think now that you've talked more about it, I thought 0% chance that, that Polly was the one prank calling Betty. I think I, it probably, probably Charles traced the call. Either he is the one somehow pranking her with the calls or has someone else doing it or what knows what's happening. But I think that they're like, clearly he just said that it was Shady Grove treatment center because he wants Betty yeah, he to wanted, be mad at Paul. He wanted to like isolate Betty from her family. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That is very clearly happening. So that's something. Um, I'm annoyed with it. I, I, I wanted Charles to be a good guy, I guess, but I guess we need more bad guys. Well, I don't know. Wyatt Nash, notorious <laughs> bad guy. Oh, yeah. And then we get some foreshadowing. I don't know how many times this is going to happen at the end of these episodes. Some but fourth sighting. Okay, I got to go. Jughead is like, hey, if I ever went missing for real, I know that you would find me, Betty. And then they do a cut to where they're clearly in like uh, the coroner's office and Betty and FP are like identifying a body and they pull back the sheet. It's clearly Jughead. Fully clearly dead Jughead. Well, but he could be drugged. Who knows? He looks like beat up too. He had like a lot of bruising on his face. Yeah, but I I don't know. I still I don't believe Jughead's gonna die, so we'll see. I I think it's a little silly that Jughead's like, oh, I know that the only thing that kept me sane was thinking about you and I know that if I was missing for for real, that you would find me. I'm sorry, Betty did absolutely nothing to try and figure out why Jughead didn't show up on Halloween (laughs) or answer her phone. So, I don't know. Betty, when she got locked in the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. Jughead did absolutely nothing to go help her and find her. He just like kind of left her to her own accord. Yeah, I don't 
don't know why he has so much trust in her with this given situation. And it's also just sad because it's like, it's not like, I guess he was in any real danger. But I still don't understand if his dad figured out about this, how nothing could, there's no consequences for these kids for what they, what the prank, the prank that they had. I definitely think there would be real consequences, but well, they're just not showing them for whatever reason. And the, and the crap that they pulled, like, oh, this was just making you a part of the family. And, you know, this is not, I don't think that's an okay, uh, drugging somebody and then encapsulate or uh, how, what are you even like trapping them in a, in a small confined yeah. space? Like that's not just hazing. Like that is torture. Do you think that like they are a little crew and they call themselves the Stonewall Four and now they're the Stonewall Five because in Jughead's it's like a I don't know like a secret society maybe um I think they think of themselves that way but I don't think that they are I think they're just losers yeah something like that all right well that was pretty much this episode a crazy Halloween episode it was a trip it was fun to watch I watched it on Halloween the day after it came out so it was it was a good time but glad it's over obviously like we mentioned many times the title comes from the 1978 movie Halloween which is about Michael Myers who murdered murders his sister on Halloween night and then 15 years later escapes from a mental hospital and returns to the small town in Illinois to kill again. Michael Matthews is probably a sort of shout out to Michael Myers. The fact that they used all of the titling, even like the one that was the day after Halloween, that one. Did they even have like with Matthew, did they say like he's been in the institution for 15 years? I feel like they did. I don't know, but that would have been uh, another thing to tie in this episode who do we think was the most normal person i had it as jelly betty bean. jelly bean was a bottom hole i do not think she was a realist uh, i'm sorry bottom hole sounds worse than anything else you could have said there <laughs> i feel like she's a young tween who pulled a prank on halloween that's normal as even though the prank's not funny i feel like that's a normal behavior i don't think betty was actually normal i mean betty was you know hanging out at home she was traumatized and she just like didn't do anything but she also did not try to look look for her boyfriend when her boyfriend oh, didn't yeah. answer his phone call. That's true. Which is a little unrealistic. I just feel like in this town, after everything that's happened, if someone is not answering their calls for multiple hours, like go to the place you know them to someone be because they're, they're probably in be trouble. There and they don't show up and they're not answering their phone, go find them. There's a problem. Well, and Betty even yeah. said, I wish yeah. I could say tonight's been particularly insane because it's Halloween, but no, that's actually fairly typical, which is uh, even more reason for them to be concerned about why Jughead's not there. I feel like Jellybean was fine she was carving a pumpkin that's a somewhat typical yeah she carved a pumpkin she went to go play video games yeah she pulled a prank she's like uncomfortable in her new like blended family i feel like she was the most normal okay i really can't think of anyone else who is at all the entire episode was insane (laughs) it's definitely not tony no could have been tony if she had immediately left when she saw dead body jason (laughs) also just want to give a couple shout outs right now to some people who've been tweeting at us gregory mcbean a big fan of the podcast said that he couldn't share his thoughts on the Riverdale recap this week because he listened to it without power or internet. So Gregory McBean, his town got like seriously flooded this week. Greg, we're with you. We hope everything's okay. I hope you get power back soon because he's still without power. So he didn't have power, so he couldn't live tweet his thoughts, but he says that he loved the podcast. Um, So thank you very much, Gregory McBean. Thank you to Tom Palmer, as always, who tweets at us all the time about Riverdale. To Bryce, who (laughs) tagged tagged us in a picture from the Great British Bake Off that had a, like a, a blue a blue and red cannon that was very uh, Riverdale 
esque with Chad Michael Murray and his rocket ship and Evil Knievel style. So loved that. And thank you to the CPA25 or at Math for Life BB for Fun on Twitter, who has also been following the podcast and says, Y'all are speaking the truth in these podcasts. Love them. Thank you for voicing my inner feelings. So thank you for listening. Um, everyone. And if anyone else ever wants to tweet at us about Riverdale, please feel free. We are always trying to record these sometime around Friday, Saturday-ish. So usually if you tweet at us before then, if you watch the episode, can get that on the podcast. We also got an iTunes review from last week from Oira M, but I think that might be Zero I-R-A-M maybe, who said Kowski Cast is decent dope. Kowski Cask is a fun podcast with great hosts. So thank you very much for that five-star review. As always, you can give us your five-star reviews and ratings and subscribe on iTunes or on whatever podcatcher you listen to. Uh, We love those reviews. Thank you very, very much. Yes, please. Again, five stars only. Anything less than five stars and we'll ignore you. Thank you all for listening. That's all for this week's episode. Thanks for joining us and we'll be back next time for a recap of episode five. Until then, you can follow us online at KowskiCast. That's on KowskiCast on Twitter, cow with a K, and also our website, KowskiCast.com. If you're interested, you can check out some of our podcasts that we've done on season one and three of Riverdale. We are, like I said before... We recorded more episodes. I will be trying to get those out as soon as I can. Hopefully things will settle down pretty soon and I'll be able to finish updating those. Uh, you can follow me online at Pharrell Mary on every platform. You can follow Kirsten at Kirsten Said What on every platform. And you can follow Hannah at HannahV.exe on Instagram. That's Hannah with two N's and one H. Hannah. <laughs> and so yeah, you can check us out online. You can look at my Halloween costume on Instagram if you want. I was no, don't my sister tell them. Be... They have to go to Instagram don't... to see it. Okay, go go to Instagram and see <laughs> I think my she Halloween said what it costume. Was last week, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they didn't listen. Ooh, we'll it's find a mystery. Out. It's a mystery. I will say we did come in second place during a costume contest. So without even knowing there Pretty was good. one. Yeah, we didn't know there was going to be a costume contest. We just kind of walked into one, but it was a good time. Wait, Kristen, did you dress up for Halloween at all? No, I have been very sick. Okay, well that doesn't stop you. No, like I I dressed up as. Uh, someone in pajamas on her couch taking antibiotics and um, like using a neti pot. Okay, great. So Kirsten dressed up as um, basically herself all the time because she, she dressed always up has as the issues. kitty man. <laughs> all right. Uh, and this podcast has officially come full circle. Thank you for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. <laughs> Say hello to the Stonewall Four for us. Hannah's like, wait a second, Riverdale though. You know?